0: Well, how you doing? What can I get you? Share a seat there and I'll bring it over to you. Uh, hello and welcome to episode one of Behind the Bar. The idea for this podcast is that every episode is simply about one great Irish pub. I'm hoping to find out about the history of the place as well as hearing about some of the great stories and characters involved in some of these great institutions. This is very much a pilot episode so please do let me know if you like the idea and I can try and make more. My Twitter handles in the show notes. Now, in this episode, I speak to Hugh Harrokin, who's the owner of The Boar's Head on Capel Street in Dublin. Hugh is a real gentleman, he tells a good story, and he runs a great pub. So I hope you enjoy hearing all about it. And without further ado, I give you, behind the bar, episode one, The Boar's Head. Hugh, pleasure to meet you, pleasure to be here. Thank you, Here we are, in The Boar's Head. So to start off i'd like you to tell me anything you can you can about the history of the place before you became the owner
1: um well the boardhead has been here since 1972 it has always been called that but before that it was called slattery and Neeland's. and uh, it was a little single story building and before that it used to be an old chemist but around uh, 1916 around that time it was a lot of, there's a lot of history from the Capel Street area. And there is a great picture, which I should have on the wall of a British Army tank, outside the door here, and just facing up to the door here in the pub. And I remember I put it up one Good Friday to do anything to get in for a drink on a Good Friday. You know, but, uh, um, you know, it's it's I think it's a great name for a pub. Uh, originally how it became the name, the boar's head was uh, an uncle of mine at the time bought it in 1972 and uh, it that was the change of the, the currency so downstairs in the pub there was an old mirror with a boar's head on it and he says this could be the fitting name for it mm. so it has continued on from there and we've kept it on then ourselves and thank god a lot of people think that we own all the boar's head meat companies in the states when they think all the trucks, but Unfortunately, yes, not. Know, unfortunately not, unfortunately not, you know.
0: And I can see a boar's head up by the right hand side of the bar there.
1: Yeah there's one just sitting at the corner of the bar up there it's it's there a long time like we re, we knocked the pub now in 1999 and uh, when we rebuilt it we had to get the boar back up and over the years a lot of people in and out, customers, sports personalities, different ones and a lot of good stories out of here and because a lot of them have said over the years, thank God that boar can't talk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, over the course of our chat, we'll hopefully get a couple of those stories. Um So let's talk about how you became involved with this place. I, I think a good starting point might be
1: how you met your wife. Well, or- originally, like my wife is from Cavan, from Killelec, uh, County Cavan. And I'm from Arava. And I was born and reared on a farm, and six of us in the house, and, thought the farming was great, but come the winter and the dark nights wasn't for me. So I had uncles in the business here in Dublin, my Uncle Joe, my Uncle Pat and my Uncle Tom. So how I started and at first was originally I was supposed to get a lift to, believe it or not, an Ulster final (coughs) in Clowness and missed me lift, very disappointed. So my reward was, my father sent me to an All-Ireland semi-final here in Dublin with my Uncle Joe. So when he came up so when he came up that weekend, he used to own a pub on the Keys at the time called the Amory Grant. So he put me in and I was there lifting glasses and doing my little lounge by and I suggest this is a lot easier than farming. <laughs> so that that was my introduction to the fo- to the pub business and then from when I went back down home then there's there's I don't know how many, there's probably eight, nine, ten pubs in Arva and they're always looking for part-time staff so I ended up working between four and five of them and then you know I loved it loved it loved the pub business and loved the crack and the buzz and listening to different stories so uh, eventually then I came to work for my uncle Pat who owns a pub on Leeson Street called Hurricane's and uh, went to work there and Really, really enjoyed it. Jews really enjoyed it now and meeting great people from Cavan people all over the country. And it was a GA pub too and it was right there off Stevenson's screen. So you met you met everybody and anybody coming into the place. But of course, couldn't settle there either. So I ended up moving to New York. And that was in nineteen eighty five. So I uh, worked stayed in New York for about a week, ended up going to Boston to a brother of mine and uh, I worked on the roofing business there and uh, wasn't a great man for heights <laughs> but I enjoyed the work and it was something totally different what I was doing and then through a friend I got an offer of a job to work in New York in Manhattan in a bar so I moved down there after six weeks, seven weeks and I lived in Queens, worked there and then uh, it, Joyce's was the name of the bar. And uh, it's on Second Avenue and it was right beside the United Nations. So like you met Manhattan is so big and pubs everywhere and everybody loves the Irish pubs. And we had a famous pub and restaurant and stuff like that and you know, you had a lot of lads coming in. Like I remember one evening I was only there working two weeks and uh, it was the time of the famous uh Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler fight. And it, I was there behind the bar next. Just fellow walks in, there, orders a glass mm-hmm. of wine, and up at the window, and I said, jeez, I swear that's Marvin Hagler." So looked at him there for a while and says, uh, "I says, how are you?" and all this. And of course, I had still be real Irish, cabin accent and stuff like that. And uh, he says, "Oh, Irish and where are you from?" and all this. So he shook out his hand and it was marvelous, Marvin. I couldn't believe this. I was in total shock. And uh, it just said, Jesus, like at that time you had no mobile phones and cameras yeah. and there was no pictures, no nothing. And I said, I couldn't wait to tell the boys at home, you know. So it was great meeting lads like that. And um, Don King used to come in to me and knock him in the pub as well. And I remember in '94 for the World Cup. And uh, sure, everybody was out from home and stuff like that. And uh, it, was, it was an unbelievable time to be in New York in 1994 for the World Cup. But uh, some of the lads were slagging me and uh, I says, oh where's Don King today and he's, he's not around and stuff like that. But there was a wide open window at the very front of the pub so who was walking down only Don King the other side of the street in Manhattan and he looked like a big polar bear. He always wore a, a big mink coat you know. So I remember shouting the boy says there's Don King now. He says t- shouting. So I let her roar across at him. So the next and I says Don. And he says, "Oh, Hugh." He says like this. And then actually he comes into the lads and he says, "I suppose these are all Cavan cunts too." <laughs> and the boys were just there looking. But that was that was Manhattan, you know. But uh, I was involved in Cavan football over there. But that's where I met my me wife then. My wife worked in, in Joyce's, and the uh, so two Cavan people meeting each other over. In New I know, York. yeah, and also only ten miles apart. <laughs> But uh, Anne had a few sisters over there as well at the time. So we hung around kind of in the same circles and stuff like that. But uh, Anne left choices then and went to work in, in uh, Hugh O'Lunny, who was a cabin man, a publican who only recently died. And uh, she said, listen, if this romance is going to continue, we better not work together, you know. So that's how that ended. So our son Ronan then, we got married in 1990, uh, our son Ronan was born in 92, uh, the day after Donegal beat the Dubs in the All-Ireland. Finally, he arrived a bit early because we were watching the match the day before, but um, we decided then that, you know, for family reasons and looking forward, like moving forward, we'd be better off moving back home. And we always had planned to move back to Ireland. And we looked at Dublin, we looked at Galway, and, you know, we just said we'd probably living in New York you'd need to move back to a city you know so it ended up uh, this place came up for sale the Boar's Head and my uncle owned it at the time and we thought about it and sure like a, we always figured it was beyond our means to try and buy a pub in Dublin and then back in 1994 you know and us living there and Anne had never even stayed overnight in Dublin never mind anything else but um what do you call it so I was looking after myself and two other lads was looking after the Cabin Junior team in New York anyway at the time and uh, we had a big match against our Matt that evening we came up to the auction sorry this is all to do with the, the buy-in oh, at the pub and it, it was the day of the auction so anyway we had uh, a solicitor and accountant hired to go to the auction and they were getting the, the money for us so uh, this was all new to us but anyway i was on the phone behind the baron and the next thing, a man says uh, we told nobody at all so if we didn't get it we didn't get it so nobody was any different and somebody says will you not tell your uncle and i says no if we're better off leaving it like this you know what i mean he wants to sell it at public auction so anyway, I got a call behind the bar. Anne was doing her job and Ronan was born at the time. He was two. So I got a call behind the bar. Uh, Hugh, this is our solicitor here. You're the highest bidder in the pub. And I go, Jesus, where do we go from here? So anyway, I said, see how you got on. We're going into the back room. He wants more money. Well, I says, talk to the other fella because he's getting us the money. We don't know whether we can afford it or not, you know? So it ended up anyway, we got the pub, I got in touch with Anne because like that to me there was no mobile phones, no nothing in the States, Uh, you don't need the beepers. So big celebrations, uh, rang the families and told them we were after buying the pub. (coughs) So everyone was delighted of course and total shocked, including my uncle. Uh, He was delighted and he said he he told them that he was after dreaming the night before that we had bought it. So, uh, <coughs> so we were going up, It said, Jesus, we have the big match this evening. So got up to play our ma, and there was a couple of cabin lads playing with our ma at the time. So there was a little little bit of rivalry. So I went up, sold nothing to the boys before the match. But anyway, we went up anyway. Our ma hammered the shite out of us. In a huddled after the match, big rows going on. I says, lads, stop. I said, I'm finishing up this evening. I said, Hugh, you can't finish, you can't finish. And I said, uh, listen lads, I'm after buying a pub in Dublin. So then, <coughs> sorry, then, then the whole celebration started, everybody forgot about the match. So even my boys drank with us that. Really <laughs> so, so, that's, so we moved home a month later. Turn around, yeah. Bruce, it, was, it, it was very, very quick. And um, Jesus, I remember uh, uh, the last night before we moved home, and we'd all our furniture and everything moved out of the place. And we realized and it was myself, Anne and Rowan. was said, Jesus, we have nothing to sleep on because everything was packed home. <laughs> so we had to, we ended up sleeping on the floor and the thing, and we found two old sheets and pillow to sleep on, you know. So it happened. Happened fast, but it was great. It was something to look forward to and it was it was a big move for a big move for Anne because she had all her friends there and uh, to move back to Dublin. Um you know, it was <coughs> to move back to Dublin, like a place that she'd never stayed overnight in and she had to make a new life for herself. Like I had worked here, so I had known Dublin, and I'd known a lot of people around Dublin, so um she was great she gave me 100% support you know so thank God so far it worked out well until we're closed now at the moment. Yeah. But
0: <laughs> Fantastic so then tell me when you, when you get the pub what was was there a plan was there any kind of did you want it to be a sporty pub or a food pub was there any kind of vision really? in that respect?
1: It was an early house right so with a seven o'clock license so it was it it had a good reputation and you know we used to do very well out of the hospitals so when you worked at that time, there was a big we had there was a big business here from the hospitals in the mornings. So we were going in cold into this because the whole thing all happened so fast. We're totally new to it. We hadn't lived and hadn't lived in Ireland for twelve years, and it nine years since I had lived in it. So we had no clue of Dublin what it was like, and this thing just landed on our lap, and it it, it We got it. So when we opened up first. We knew that it was a good stable business of a morning business going and uh, we knew we had to build up the business and at that time in dublin city center and especially around the Capel street area there would have been no night business so it was a great opportunity for us to work on something like that so with a lot of context because we're always involved in the gea and being from calvin and so many calvin people in dublin so we were going to work on that end but We didn't know whether we had to renovate the pub, what we had to do, nothing when we got in. So when we did get uh, opened in the mornings, you'd have the likes of James's Hospital, the Mead Hospital, all around there, like especially the old Mead Hospital. We got a lot of business out of there. And sorry, James's wasn't even opened. So you had the Mead Hospital and the Rotunda. So come Monday morning, seven o'clock, the nurses would start piling in because they were after work on the weeknights. They worked the week off. And a week on and nights so the Monday morning was there Friday evening right. so you could have 40 50 nurses here on a Monday morning <laughs> you know it was like coppers on a Saturday night here you know but uh, then you got a lot of ambulance drivers and security guards and guards and itself so so it was all day business at that time so we eventually then we knew the pub had to be renovated so we took it over and uh, 13th of August 1994 and famous day after Dublin played Leedsrum in another Ireland semi-final so we don't know if we'll see Leedsrum back there again but um, a lot of people were very good to me when we started off like we us say like builders and stuff like that they said to come in and do the work we needed to do on the pub to get it decorated and sort out bills afterwards it Was friends of mine looked after Jerry Brady there in, in the garage in he looked after us with a car and like people were so <clears throat> supportive of us and we couldn't believe this, the goodwill, I suppose like, like I was 26 when I bought it, when I think of it now, like buying a pub at D- Dublin City Centre, 26 years of age, I says Jesus Christ, like how did I do it, you yeah. know what I mean? Little goodness. Yeah. But I suppose that was the goal that both of us had and Anne worked in the business, which was great. So she knew what it was like, the long hours and what you had to do. But um. We closed it down in October for about 10 days and we got the whole place renovated up and stuff like that and got it going and we built up a great business between cab and people in Dublin here that wanted to come in, young ones that lived in Dublin our own age at the time and um, it was, Dublin started to pick up, it was, t- it was tough work now. During the day around Capel Street was a hard business and like it was, you had a lot of lo- wrong people floating around Dublin city centre at that time you know and it was I wouldn't like to do it again I enjoyed it but I wouldn't like to go through it or I wouldn't like to do it, anybody to go through it again but then in uh, 1999 we decided right the pub has to we have to renovate the pub completely so it was I used to call it the last bungalow left in Dublin because we're a little single story building there's a picture of a deer on the wall what it was like you oh, know what yeah, I mean yeah. and there was only two big windows here at the side and the old four foot thick walls and that was the toilets and like I remember one night it was in that bad a shape at the end it was there was a united match on the box and one of the windows there was a bit of a leak coming in through it and this gush of wi- rain came through the wind and blew up the bloody television oh God, <laughs> <you're
0: joking.
1: laughs> I know, yeah so this is what we're going back to but But um, so in 1999, the 8th of March, we knocked the pub completely to the ground. And believe it or not, we had it rebuilt and opened on the 6th of July. And we went through a scaffolding strike. We went through the archeologists, you name it. Anything that could have happened to it, it happened. But uh, we got it rebuilt back there. And this is the pub we've now, we've done some cosmetic stuff on it. Mm over the years you know but uh, we enjoyed it like we're what t- 20 how many years are we here 19 we're 26 years years here now going into 27 years and it has flown it has flown and you know a lot a lot of great memories and you know a lot of great times a lot of great laughs great support from people and I remember when we were building it a lot of publicans came to me and said, Hugh, you're still going to have a small pub and you rebuild it. And I says, yeah, but I says, I love small pubs and I like knowing the customers and I'm not a fan of big pubs anyway, you know, but, and I suppose maybe in this day and age, you know, when we do get to reopen, you know, the smaller pubs, you know, will probably come back that little bit quicker because they're, they're easier managed and stuff like that and they're more personable and stuff like that you know but we're going to have to reinvent ourselves basically that's what's going to happen now you know.
0: So for the benefit of people who don't have the pleasure of seeing the place or being in the place how would you describe it now it's just, just in, a, in a couple of lines there's, it's no longer um, just the one floor anyway.
1: It's it's over two it's over three floors we have a bar on the ground floor lounge on the, for, on the first floor and um, it's a I like to still call it a small old country pub based stuck in the middle middle of Dublin, um, homely pub, and you're always gonna get a good welcome out of it. And we try to keep it an old authentic pub.
0: Yeah, I've, I've read that when I was doing my research, I read a couple of times, it's referred to as a culture pub in Dublin yeah. or a country pub in Dublin. Um, and even somewhere that when students or people move to the city for the first time, they come here and get a bit of a feel of Home.
1: to do yeah to, to do like to come in and it's small and you know what I mean and they always feel that there's a bit because there's a lot of country people happen to just drink here though they could be living in Dublin for the last 20 years but they're still they still like to come in here because they end up bumping into somebody else from down the country could have been from Cork Galway anywhere you know what I mean so it has that sort of a feel about it you know what I mean and it's I suppose maybe it's more uh, you know we do food but it'd probably be st- Known as more a drinking pub and drinking and food for buy food and drinking if you know what I mean so yeah. it's great like I love to see the students coming in and especially their first years and when they're signing up in September uh f- just entering into college and to come down here and it's the first time really away from home and mummy and Daddy's have to giving them the few extra pounds of course and they head for the pub straight away yeah. you know
0: yeah and being close to Guinness HQ how, how are the plans of Guinness. Well I've been
1: told they're top class, <laughs> good <enough> <laughs> they're, they're good, nah, we're known for a good pint of Guinness and uh, a couple of years ago we got the top award in Dublin for the best pint of Guinness so it's, it's a good flow and when you get a good flow in a good pint of Guinness you can't
0: beat it. Perfect. The um, pub is also known for its sporting connections, particularly GAA, even in our conversation I noticed you refer to, you remember dates based on oh it was the day after this match or that match. Yeah. So how did, how did the sporting connection begin?
1: Um, well it's about the two of us been into the GA so much and I remember the very first one of the very first customers I served here in, back in 1994 on a Monday morning was Paddy O'Shea mm.
0: and just for and those who don't know Paddy O'Shea legendary
1: legendary Carry eight yeah. All-Irelands, managed Ke- managed Kerry uh, to, to two All-Irelands, three All-Irelands and uh, also managed Westmead well, to a their title and Paddy was a leg- legend you know in the GA and he was a ca- like a character. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I remember when we came in 94 here, the first couple of days were here, Potty lands into me on a Monday morning, you know, and I think anybody that knows Potty, Potty knows Potty enjoyed a drink. But I, I couldn't believe this, that he landed in. So he was there looking at us and we were chatting and just for the couple of minutes anyway. And he says, You are new owners here. And I says, yeah, we're home from New York. And he says where are you from and i says calvin and he says i have a lot of friends from calvin in new york well i says potty yourself and joe kernan played in the middle of the field for calvin in a new york championship joe from our man and i says you won the final he says you know that and i says we do and i says so i started a list out hall who his friends was over there and sure he couldn't believe this so we had a great bit of crack and telling stories but it ended up that uh Ourselves and Pawdy became good friends. And uh, then in 1997, Kerry won the All Ireland. Mm-hmm. And Pawdy had always promised me that he would uh, he would bring the All Ireland champions in here to me on a Monday morning. And he was true to his word. And from that on, we have a great tradition of getting the All Ireland champions here on a Monday morning. And it was all there to party back in '97. So it would have grown from, from that, like even before, but in 94 when we came here first, uh, Dublin played down in the All-Ireland Final, and like the All-Ireland Football Final and hurling Final is massive, as everybody knows in Ireland, like it's, the GA is such a big, it's a community wide and blah blah blah, but anyway, we'd, 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 we were packed that weekend, and it would have been a lot of, there would have been more country people. And of course everybody was always against the dubs and they're still against the dubs so it wouldn't necessarily all been down but uh it, it grew from that weekend because we came here in august and the final was always the first weekend in september so from that weekend on and then when lads come into dublin or they could be coming to work or they could be going to college so from that weekend on and it grew and then between all these lads going to college up here, between DCU and UCD and DIT and all this, they all came in and out of here over the years through college. So when they went to play them for when they were playing on county teams, it was a great place for them to come in and meet. And I think, you know, pubs are known as social outlets. And you go for a pint, like if you asked the majority of people how much was a pint against Guinness, they wouldn't have a clue. But you know you're not being robbed. But to go for the company and go for the crack, I oh, will go in here. Like, I suppose my most favorite weekend and our weekend is always the All-Ireland Football Final and especially the night before and the Saturday night. Like, I, it doesn't matter who's in it, you know. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of a hub for a lot of ex-GA players and ex-college lads and uh, to meet here on a Saturday night. And like, they're out on the streets and they're everywhere and the crack that you'd have and the stories and lads bumping into each other like and it'd be be uncomfortable but there's that many here and everybody wants to be here because they're meeting up with lads that they mightn't have seen until for 12 months you know so that grows and then the the Sunday then is is always kind of the same the Sunday morning lads meeting up they're here picking up their tickets and you're trying to juggle tickets and of course being a publican in Dublin everybody thinks you have tickets mm-hmm. but in fairness the great thing about the GA community if somebody ends up with spare tickets they're great to pass them off and they'll always they'll give me a ring and say Hugh listen I have a spare ticket you'll have a good home for it and they know it'll go to a genuine thing so it brings people then of course on top of that and then, People want to be around these GA lads too as well, do you know what I mean? They want to say, Jesus, I was in the company of Parry Joyce or Seamus Minahan or, you know, you know, some of the Cavan lads like Dermot McCabe and some of these different lads. They want to be in the company of them and say hello to them and, like we've grown that, like Jesus, like the amount of lads that you'd have in and out of here over the years, it's it's unbelievable. And they're all a great bunch, like you have to say they're, and you are great crack and great bits of stories out of them, you know, but it was... Just party started all that now, you know.
0: Yeah, and I imagine that that tradition of of the All Ireland Champions coming here on a Monday morning. You're probably getting press and
1: everything in for those, are you now? Yeah, Part well, it, you know, we had we, it. It is. It started to really build up like it was in the earlier years, which with with, uh, with with Kerry that um, you know, and then when Dublin came to win it, there was great crack, and the Monday mornings was fierce crack here. Like there was sing songs and there was great stories to be told. You know what I mean? And it was was just really good crack, and especially the Sunday morning as well. But then, 2011, the Dubs played Kerry, and uh, it had been pally with a lot of the Kerry lads on account of them coming in over the years, you know. But it had been good pals with Alan Brogan and uh, uh, Barry Cahill. So they were in here for lunch the week before, and I remember saying, Jesus, there'd be some crack here on Monday morning when the Kerry boys were in with the. The Sam Maguire and the All-Ireland champions and they were saying that, we don't fucking carry boys in here we'll be knocking down the doors <laughs> so through to the word the two boys landed in 2011 and then the of them all landed down and account of Dublin winning it and hadn't won it in so long the place just got strong but it was great Pat Gilroy was managing we kept the we kept the doors closed till nine o'clock that morning half nine and the blinds down so I let them off the players off to themselves and did a bit of fun and bit of crack and stuff like that you know and uh, we opened it up but the following year then Donegal won it in 2012 uh, Michael Murphy and Rory Gallagher and all the different lads Martin McHugh they all came down here in the morning and it was like they seen that it was tra- tradition to do this but when Dublin came back and won it in 2013 it got it started to get really crazy you know and it's it's great it's great buzz and it's great crack but like it's got really busy now and and in fairness now the media like comes down every Monday and they have great respect for the lads there's only pictures taken outside so there's nothing taken inside which is which is great and players appreciate that you know like you're after slaving off the whole year to and winning all ireland and you're going to let your hair down a little bit but you don't want to you don't want to be appearing on the paper yeah, the next yeah. day, you know what I mean. So, it uh, it's it's great coverage for us, and it's a great reputation to have. But in 2012, going back when Donegal won it, uh, Paddy's last year uh, to to be here for the All Ireland was 2011, and there's a great picture of him outside the door with Bernard Brogan and Pat Gilroy, the three of them outside, and Paddy would still come down. Even though Dublin had won it, and after beating Kerry, just like we used to always say, the All Ireland didn't start here until Paulie walked in the door, (laughs) you know. So, but in 2012, he didn't come up for the All Ireland, which was his first one in the meet. So, on the Monday morning, he was Sunday morning, he was missed really badly, and the Monday morning then, especially because the Monday morning was such fun, you know, and all the Donegal lads here, but didn't he ring me? And all he says to me, uh, Hugh, are they there? And I says, they are, party. Who's there? And I said, uh, Christy Tye, Rory Gallagher, uh, Two McGees are here, Martin McHugh, started through them all that was here. And I says, Poddy, I says, you started that. Mm. I did, he says. Paddy loved praise, loved the crack. I says, you started it. He says, I did, Hugh. He says you are fucking nothing he says until i put you in huh? the map <laughs> <laughs> he says you are fucking nothing and i said that's right Poddy. and i sit down with the phone so unfortunately Poddy died then that year he died in december then so but uh he he started that tradition you know when it moved on and the dubs have moved on and, you know but it's it's ah listen it's a great tradition to have and like uh We've been getting a lot of the hurling lads all down now. We've never had the Liam McCarty here in the pub, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of trophies with the Heineken Cup, you know, and of course the Open, and you know, you'd have a novel and of course my own club, which is, what moved on, sorry, from that then as well, we started to get the tradition then of all the county champions coming, because the big thing was, when you won your county championship, whether junior, intermediate or senior, you have to go to the Boar's Head. So that started then on the Tuesday nights. Right. So that has developed into a big thing. Right. Now, so they, they come from all over. There was clubs that I've never even heard of <laughs> that come, that comes in here and from all different counties. So they come up on the Tuesday night and of course go to the Boar's Head on the Tuesday and then coppers later on mm-hmm. then that night. So it's uh, it has moved on to that now, which is great, you know, and get the lads get their picture taken out the front and you know it's and as I say then a great bunch of lads you never have any any problems or any issues and they're all delighted then yeah. that, that we do look after them and it I suppose it's great for them that, that a bunch like that can come to Dublin and come into a pub and then off the coppers of course then after yeah. that then as well you know
0: fantastic and like you you alluded to there it's not just GAA uh, tell me about Shane Lowry
1: and his association here. We'll um, just start with that now. Well, Shane, <coughs> of course, everybody knows he comes from a massive GA tradition, and uh, Shane came down. Shane's first trip down here was um, the morning after Kerry won the two thousand and fourteen All Ireland final against uh, Donegal, and all the Kerry lads was here. And they were all drinking outside, and he was out. Shane was out to come in second in some tournament the day before, anyway. And uh, geez, there was a big gang here that morning, all the Kerry lads. And we just happened to see him walking up the street, and sure delighted to see him and come in. And sure, all he wanted to do was meet the Kerry lads, yeah. Sam Maguire and uh, Maddie Ford and John Dively, and a clatter of other all neutral lads was here. But from from that day, he became a regular and became a friend. You know, and he was all—he just loves the weekends of the All irelands Oh, he just dreams about it. Like even when he comes home now, he when he's travelling abroad and stuff like that, and he'd drop you an know, old text of the hotel booked for the weekend off the All Ireland. He'd always time it out, and he came down, and but uh, he had always promised me that when he'd win his first major, uh, it'd be brought to the Boar's Head, and. Jesus was he through to his word. Absolutely. Oh it, it was, there. oh stop, it was like when he won the Open, I'd have, we'd have loved to went up to it. It was the last weekend of the Super 8s and Donegal played uh, Kerry in the, the game in Crow Park which was a massive game and it was one of the greatest games of 2019, that day, that day. ended up in a draw but um, I remember being up at the game and it was a wet day and like he had been going so well but we we were on the premium that day and i i took videos uh just to show him of people in watching watching the golf during, during the during the match yeah. and he couldn't believe this yeah, yeah. he just couldn't believe it when i showed him the videos afterwards but uh so we came back here that evening of course and big crowd came back and I got a the match and then and I got him after winning the open. So uh just send him a text message, congratulations. And uh they dater. He has a many texts in his phones. But at about twelve o'clock that night I got a text to my phone, see you in the morning. <laughs> and I, true to his word. True to his word, yeah, true to his word. So uh jeez, I couldn't believe this and I says now, if I tell the pub, the crowd that's here that Shane Lowry's coming here with the open in the morning and like that, I, I was delighted, told nobody, told my wife and, and uh, there was two or three other friends of mine, close friends that was here at the time and I just mentioned, mentioned I Isis, this man's life has changed. Yeah. So, if it doesn't happen, I wouldn't have been disappointed. Do you Know what I mean? You couldn't, like, because his whole world has changed. So, uh, like right, that, anyway. So, like, next morning, sure, I couldn't sleep that night, of course, it's thinking of this going on. So, we got home at about two or three in the morning, and he got back to Dublin at about two o'clock or half two in the morning. And, uh, the phone was ringing the next morning at about seven o'clock, half seven. I don't know whether I should be telling this story or not, but the <laughs> phone was ringing. And I go, oh, Jesus, you can't want to come down at this stage, you know. And so I said, I'm not going to answer this. So I put the phone on silent, and I had it down, and it was getting up shortly afterwards. And I put the phone back down again. So then Anne the wakes me, and she says, she says, you must be done, you know, What in the world? that won't answer the phone to Shane Lowry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so I dad, I says, Go to bed, said, Or said, Go to bed, we'll text, we'll see you later on. So anyway, like that, I went in anyway, and geez, the text came at 10 o'clock, see you shortly. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable just to see him. I have a great picture of him there, just walking up the street, an ordinary fella, and the, the trophy, the claret jug in his hand. <laughs> and there was people on a Monday morning now, and people back into work, and they were going out for a coffee at 10 o'clock. And they were there to realise what they were after walking by. And I would have to say, in our 25 years here, it was the highlight of it. Really? Yeah. It was, yeah. it was uh, the amount of people that came in, and you know, that would have been just to come in to see Shane and his friends here. And it was an unbelievable day's crack. Yeah. And didn't get out of hand. Like, I mean, it wasn't crowded or it wasn't, it was just a nice little crowd uh, because people gave him his space and they appreciated him. A lot of media of course showed up because he did no media interviews the next day which Mm. is never done, (laughs) you know, he left after Tuesday and they stayed outside, they gave him his privacy and um, I think Shane is just a massive ambassador for the country and it showed it even, you know, by the tributes that he got from all over the world and you know got the amount of people that came out to support him and like the way he celebrated and the way he took over Ireland was just unbelievable but we, did, we had a great day's fun here and we stayed all day and it was it was something to remember and it's we t- we spoke about it since and he says he would love to do it all over again but he has promised me he'll wear in the green jacket though yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know but um, that was, listen, it was a remarkable day and I don't think anybody you know whether it's the Dublin Dublin lads or Kerry lads or anybody the different Donegal lads that was brought in the Sam Maguire, like they text me and some of them came in and same they know just this, this was the highlight and it's it was great great for us and what he did he brought the profile into pub of course even back up again like and like Jesus for weeks afterwards I was telling them afterwards like for weeks afterwards was people coming from the airport in taxis all they wanted to do was. Come in here, and we've the we have the flag up in the wall, and him signed it. And uh, I remember John Mulan texting me that morning. I says, "You, he says, you're like going to be like JR now." He says, "Everybody's going to want to get a photograph taken with you and the flag because they won't get me or Shane Lowry, yeah. you know." And it was just what he what he did for the Ireland and what he did for the golf, and it was unbelievable. Like and um, like for weeks afterwards, people coming in, all they wanted to do was just see the flag just get a picture taken with her. Yeah, it was, it was great. But Shane, Shane's a great fella. Like they're at, um, I think it was last Christmas, 12 months. He texted me one of the days. And uh, he says, are you around Thursday evening? And I says, yeah, all right. So a couple of us dropping in for a pint. So I brought in Parry Carrington, Paul Dunn, all the different lads, all the different golf, and they were out on their Paddy's Christmas party as yeah. they call it. I like to get all those lads like in here. It was, like, it was unbelievable. There was twelve or thirteen, them between the caddies and coaches and, you know, and like, and they were great with people that was here. Like, people didn't bother them, you know. But anybody that wanted to get a photograph taken with them and all this, and I remember the day that Monday. Uh, I said to Shane, the Monday he was here. I said, Do "You wanna go upstairs? There's nobody really up there," and it's probably a bit crowded down here now. And he says, "Why?" All he wanted to do was sit back there and there's a great picture of him just sitting on the back wall there. Like as as Aranya says here, she says with he's the only fella that has got a whole wall to himself, you yeah. know, you know what I mean, with all the pictures. But uh, I there's some listen, there's some great pictures over the years and like okay, I'm just as we're talking here, I'm just looking. One of them's gonna have to come down with Cavan after winning the Ulster Championship this year, so <laughs> we're gonna have to put up one of them on his wall on the wall, you know.
0: Brilliant. And it's not just that, you've got one of the great
1: snooker players, Alex Higgins was a, a patron here, I believe. Alex was a patron here, yeah. Alex, Alex was a great fella. Alex used to come in and out to me. This was even in the old pub when he'd come to Dublin. Louis Copeland always dressed him up here above. And Alex had come down to me and he always wore the big hat and the long Mac. And he'd come in the door and he, he walks like he runs around the snooker table. And he always had a black case on the, on the snooker cube, but there was always a red ribbon tied them mm-hmm. and he'd give me the snooker cue and he'd sit down and have a glass of Guinness loved his horses, pick out the few horses and people come in and they couldn't believe he was coming in. And then he'd be go off the day and I used to be left looking after the snooker cue. You know, but uh Alex was Alex was great. I remember like he's he loved he loved coming in here because we used to put him up in the window under the stairs and he'd back his few horses and a couple of glasses of Guinness and uh, the great stories at him. He loved golf, like he loved yeah. golf. Yeah, he said he'd, he'd have been a professional golfer if he hadn't been a professional snooker player. You know, but um, shortly before he died, uh, when he got cancer that time, he was, used to still come in and out to me and I'll never forget one night, everybody know Alex for his gambling and his drinking, but Ireland were playing a World Cup match. And we have a big screen here and a big screen in the lounge. The pub was full over the two floors. So Alex came in anyway, and he came up to me. He wasn't drinking at the time; he was drinking tea. And he says, "Hugh, I need two hundred pounds." He says, "Put on a bit." This was pounds at the time. And now everybody was looking at Alex coming through the pub in the first place because he had the cancer at the time. It was all over the papers. I said, "Jesus, Alex, I can't give you two hundred pounds." Like, and it's a kind of a golden rule the pub business as soon as you lend somebody money like they're gone and it has put pubs out of business you know and I says Alex I can't and like I felt really bad about it you know and everyone's here, like and he says Hugh he says if this bet comes in I'll get about five or six thousand out of it and he says I says Alex no I can't give me a cup of tea he says and so so I made him a cup of tea so then he sat on the top stairs looking on to the big screen on the way down to the lounge and he had his cup of tea there is nobody watching the match. They're all sitting at Alex on the top of the stairs having this cup of tea and they're wondering what's going on because he's following me over and back the floor looking for the money off me. Mm. You know, so like that, anyway, Alex left. But the following day, he lands in with a friend of his for a cup of coffee. Now, I thought Alex was gone. I'll never see Alex Higgins again. So he ordered two cups of coffee and says, How are you? I says, Grand Alex, how are you? Introduced me to his friend. So the other friend went to. Pay for the coffee, and Alex says, No, no, I got it. The next minute, Alex pulled out. There was the six grand. I <laughs> just gave me the Jesus. little wink. <laughs>
0: Unbelievable.
1: Oh, yeah. It's ta- like the, that time, was, the time it was a famous time, he was all over the papers. He uh, he was after the girlfriend, was. he was living in a caravan in Belfast, and the girlfriend was after stabbing him. And I was reading about it on the paper. And uh, I had it here on the paper next to the door walks up, opens and who runs through and heading straight through to the bathroom on the Alex and he seen that I was reading the paper and he says, ah Hugh, don't worry about it, it's not the first time somebody stabbed me in the back, he says, <laughs> but he was that sort of a character, but um, about a month before he died, he, gave me, he landed in to me one Saturday night with that picture of him and Jimmy White yeah. there and he'd autographed with the two lads and her name on it and I thought it fabulous because I'd never asked Alex for anything in his life, you know, or I'd never... You know, I give these lads their privacy. I don't like, I know everything has gone social media now and it all helps too. And it, sometimes it can be a bad thing, but there's, you have to know how to use it. And I try to use it as best I can. And, and that time I suppose when Alex coming in, social media wouldn't be as big, but like to get that photograph there on the wall. And then a couple of books that has been wrote about him and he has done one himself and we've always got it. and it's the same as a lot of the GA books. Yeah, we've Paul got Galvin. Of, Paul Galvin and Kieran Donaghy, Tomas O'Shea. I was mentioning all
0: these books.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they all know, you know, they all give great tribute to, you know, when they're saying about coming in with the Sam Maguire and stuff, that they get, there'd be a bigger smile on me when I've seen Cavan walking through the door and it, you know. So they always know that I'm from Cavan, even though I'm middle of, we're living in the middle of Dublin, you know.
0: Now we've mentioned a few kind of famous or very well known clientele. I'm wondering, are there any kind of regulars? You might be able to tell me about or any stories to do with some of them? Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs> and you'd have a lot of, I suppose you'd have a lot of characters here, you know, and, uh, you know, from different lads, from bus drivers to, you know, to some of the doctors too, and some of the, you know, there's, it's a sort of pub here that, you know, you can walk into on your own and have two pints or three pints and a read of the newspaper. And, you know, there's lads coming in here for years and I don't even know their name and I have very rarely even spoke to them because they like to come in and you see them and they put up their hands and it means a pint of Guinness yeah. and of their own little private little corner, they like the little seat and, you know, they get their privacy and they appreciate that. So you have in this size of a pub, you have to learn how to read your customers, you know, when they come into it. And like that, I always leave people like that on their own. uh,
0: Picking up when someone wants to chat or someone. Yeah. And if they
1: talk to you, you talk back to them. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, remember, plural, uh, uh, there was one customer that died on the stair a few years back. Sean Devereux was his name. Sean was born and reared in the flats here in the back. And he came in here for his couple of pints every night. Sean would never say boo to anybody, never speak. And he'd just order a pint of Guinness. Duddling's Cross would read the newspaper and big into his golf massive Leeds fan that's all he did and he eventually turned to the ga because he was in a ga pub and he loved all the different lads coming in and loved the laugh you know and still never got into a conversation with them but they all knew him how are you sean because all only because he sat in the corner there every night of the week seat. that was the only night but i remember uh, um one night one sunday night though and uh, the Euros was on and we get a lot of the lads down from the Sunday game so the lads come down here after doing their the Sunday game show and they come in here for a couple of pints but the Euros were on around the same time and uh, I remember Pecky Banner and John Aldridge and a few of them came down here that night and I could just see Sean lighting up seeing these lads coming in, because soccer lads coming into a GA pub yeah, yeah. so anyway, they were with a friend of mine, Rory O'Neill did RT Sport, so Rory would know Sean, so I, and Rory seems Sean smiling over the corner, and for the first time ever Sean said to me, Hugh, I'd love to get a photograph of those lads. And I said to Rory, and he says, and all the different lads that comes in here on the Sunday night, through the Sunday game, all the different GA personalities, and Sean would have never said that, and they all know him, but he just got, and that was, we're never as happy, see Sean ask him, and everybody was like I was telling customers during the week I said Sean asked for a photograph here last Sunday night and they're going what <laughs> <laughs> you know brilliant. so
0: brilliant that's fantastic I love yeah. it yeah um, and we've touched on the stuff on the walls a few times is this one, is, is there anything else that you haven't touched on that you'd like to tell me about or any particular favorites of yours you know, we've, we've touched on the open the flag from the 18th hole the open the flag, yeah, I know yeah incredible. it is yeah
1: ah, it is and, and I don't know I suppose it's hard to it, say have a favourite one among the whole lot you'd be Before all day going through them wouldn't you the you'd signs. be all day like there's a great one there Paul O'Connell that him in Crow Park Oh, brilliant. you know great what design. I mean yeah but um, you know there's there's lads here I always say when, when you know you know when you have it made when you have your picture on the wall in the boar's head
0: <laughs> that's when you arrive yeah even yeah. looking behind the bar I see all the, the police badges and stuff there as well.
1: yeah that became a sort of a I think there with all the different weeks, started to gather p- police badges. So, and it's amazing the way that I've gathered just from all over the world. Yeah, they really are, aren't. They? Yeah, and at the end of when just tourists, like we're a big tourism pub here as well, you know, and I kind of us been small because, like, tourists love the pubs in Dublin because, like, they don't mainly go to a restaurant. They want to go to a pub because you can go to a restaurant anywhere, you know, and then when they go in and they see the bit of sport and stuff like that involved, and then over the years, then people started to leave badges and then. You get people in that you say oh well I'm a cop such a place and they end up they post you the badge back they post them out. yeah they post oh, them back to me it. and we get them all up and I send them up a picture like a, a, some there at the secret service like even there in the United yeah, States yeah yeah badges there for them and all over the world from Poland to Boston to you know you see it there like there's some fabulous ones there and there's a great collection of them you know so I suppose it's a bit of a focal point when somebody comes in and they look around and they'll ask you about such a picture and ask you how did you get that and you know and there are a lot of pictures I just can't put up, I don't have to sort <laughs> of the butt up but I have to get one for the Cavan now uh, this year after winning the Ulster Championship and unfortunately we were closed mm. and then we we're in the All-Ireland semi-final of course and closed for it then as well you know but uh, that would have been my All-Ireland now to see Cavan playing in Crow Park but um, I listen, it's it's I love the business. Somebody says, Would you retire out of it? and I said, No. Really. No, no, I wouldn't. I just I just love meeting meeting people and you know, from all walks of life and tourists and all that sort of thing. And like tourists love Ireland. That's the great thing about Ireland, like you say hello to them and you give them the Wi Fi code and they think this is they think this is great and ask them where they're going off to visit and You know, all of a sudden they're putting up reviews about you. And, you know, and when I think that's what makes Ireland and makes the pub business what it is, you know, and with COVID now and stuff like that, like pubs are going to have to reinvent themselves. And it's, we had to reinvent ourselves a couple of times because, like, you had the Lewis here come by and that went on for two years and nearly closed us. Really? Yeah, nearly closed us, you know, because it was going on for two years and you couldn't even get in the front door of the pub for a month. Seriously? Yeah, and you come in here and then you'd be after leaving and like, the dust would be coming through and you'd get up and you'd see the art of your trousers were all mm-hmm. dust. And then the non-smoking now was massive. It it took a big effect, but it was, and overall, it was the best thing ever happened. Do you know what I mean? It's like for health reasons and, and it cut back and smoking, but it did affect it. And, People weren't going to stand outside the pubs and smoke, and either you know, and especially it really killed the morning business. Did it? Ah, did you? well, yeah. The last thing you want to be doing is driving down to driving down to work, and you see your husband standing outside the pub at seven o'clock in the morning smoking <laughs> after working <laughs> and week and nights, you know. <laughs> dad, I remember Ireland was playing, in, uh, we're through to the World Cup, and it was around. It was in uh, Cameroon. The time we played Cameroon. So with the yeah, yeah so we had. Uh, you just remind him of a story there was one of the lads that worked in jervis street he was a security fella and uh, he used to open up jervis street in the mornings you know so we would have a lot of business at that time from all the staff and the casinos because they worked all night so they would come down at seven o'clock in the morning and i'd let them in and there were a few drinks and they were mostly all there were very few irish worked in it but they had their few drinks off home to bed back into work for seven o'clock that night but anyway to be a few, a few other lads, Irish lads from the papers or whatever like that at work nights and they loved their morning drink, you know, and there was always great crack and great stories here in the morning, it was always a bit of fun. But anyway, one fella that worked in Jervis Street at the time, he used to get the place open, land in early, get the place ready to go, all he had to do was nearly turn off the alarm and turn on the key but he'd come over to me every morning for his couple of drinks, you know. But anyway, I landed, slept it in one morning, and there was about eight or nine people waiting outside for me at seven o'clock, but the security fellow says, Jesus Christ, you, he says, where were you we this morning? You nearly hung me, and I says, why? I said, sure, sorry, I'm late, whatever, and he says, what was wrong? He says, the wife dropped me into work this morning, and the lights was red outside the pub, and all the other ones was there, outside that I all knew, and they're all waving across in <laughs> the car to me. And he says, how do we do new? I oh, said, I don't know. I don't know any of them. I don't know. Way it. <laughs> and he said, Jesus, I was sweating. <laughs> oh, brilliant. You brilliant. know, so, but it's, um, it's going to be a different business when we reopen. We got reopened on uh, the 29th of June, and it was very busy through that period of bookings and stuff like that, and then we're shut back down again then in mm-hmm. September.
0: So, how how difficult has it been the
1: COVID nineteen lockdowns? To be honest with you, I have to say I really enjoyed the first lockdown. Like we have three kids, Ronan's the eldest lad, twenty eight, Arnie's twenty one, and Aegon's nineteen. And to be at home with Anne and the three of them, and the weather good, and I found out we had a garden at the back of the house then as well. (laughs) So after all these years, and to be at home with them, and because like being a publican, it's it's a seven day a week job Mm -hmm. and it's seven nights, and but we were delighted to get open on the 29th of June. We were lucky that we were a food pub that got opened. And come September 18th, I found it really hard. I'm not gonna it really hurt me that we're gonna have to close because they were saying we're shut for three weeks. I knew that we weren't gonna be gone for three weeks. Uh, originally we thought when we went in March that we'd be gone for a month, six weeks. I knew no way, they're not going to open us. But the same when they closed the September 18th, they said three weeks, so the closes until the 4th of December, and I would say it, it that that was the hardest period I really found. Um, it was just tough because you didn't know when you were reopening. Um, like I did, I felt worse for the the other the so-called wet pubs, which is a bad name to abandon, them, the non-food pubs, because they never got the chance to mm-hmm. open at all. Um we got reopened in in December for 20 days and it was stressful like because you were coming in the first, the day after we opened, Cavan was playing Ar- Dublin and All-Ireland semi-final. We were allowed 50 people. You could have 50 people on the stairs here at an <laughs> All-Ireland weekend and like this was in All-Ireland and it was people texting me and ringing me and wanted to come up. and. Thank God the five-kilometer rule was in, <laughs> so cabins a lot further than five kilometers. Yeah. So we got that all sorted out, and but it was just stressful, and you're trying to keep it right and trying to get records. So to, to get back closed at Christmas, then it it was hard. Not as hard, I didn't really find it as hard as September, but um, the weather has a lot to do with things too, in your mindset. You know what i mean if the sun is shining everybody's in great form you seen it there last sunday phoenix park was jammed everybody out everybody in great form it has really dragged since christmas now and everybody's in the same boat and the vintners are great like they're fully supported behind us and between them and Diazu and the other suppliers and they're in touch with you regarding we will say like kind of helplines where you can chat to people and support of us and you know there's I suppose I'm lucky we, we have three kids at home so it's great like and it's what well, you may say there's five adults in the house you yeah. know but it's tenuous sometimes now and they're getting it hard. I'd say they're getting it hard to put up with me mm-hmm. but um it is a struggle and I'm out on the bike and I'm out walking and but it's just hard to keep it going and you know people are wanting to get back out so I'm not really concerned about you know trying to get in business when you come back because I think that's the great thing about the sporting community and the GA community. They want to go back to meet somebody where you've been known, uh, where you've ran the pub properly during the other lockdowns, you know, and when we did get reopened with the guidelines. So but we're just going to have to reinvent ourselves again. And, mm. you know, it's hard. You get down days, believe me. You get days in a very bad form if it's raining outside or whatever. And, but the important thing, I think, is for people to talk. You know what i mean and talk to ring a friend and saying fucking, i'm having a bad day today and i'm down and stuff like that and like it's it's harder on older people like thank god my parents is alive and ann's mother's alive and she's down with her there today and you ring them and there's always lads in touch with you on the phone and which is great like I'm, the amount of texts and supports that i'm getting from people just saying hugh how are you doing and all this sort of thing and it's great it gives you a lift yeah do you know what i mean and it's a jesus nice to see somebody else is thinking about you and stuff yeah. like that and like and when you meet anybody on the street now or you meet anybody, you're talking to them for twenty minutes. Yeah. I think everybody finds that because nobody's going anywhere and like that everybody's drinking coffee now and it's just, it's just like we, we found out this new word now that you're a barista you're not a coffee maker <laughs> 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 you know what I mean and I think everybody like the, the coffee sales have gone through the moon at this stage you know with everybody you know but hopefully we'll be back and I'm really looking forward to getting back mm. you know I'm hungry to get back, Anne's hungry to get back at it and you know the kids give us a dig out here when we want Ronan's working from home, the other two are in college and you know and like, getting back to meet people, I'm seeing what you get texts from people here you can't wait till you get back and just fingers, hope for crossed. The best. Yeah. fingers crossed
0: fingers, fingers crossed. crossed well it's been a pleasure talking to you I can see you love the game, don't you? Like you said yourself, you, you won't retire from it. You, you, no. you enjoy the whole run no. running the pub.
1: No, I, I got my retirement through COVID, oh, so yeah. I'm back out of retirement. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't. And even like I can see, there's there are a lot of publicans even in town, like the likes of Liam Mahern Liam in the Palace over there. And um, Liam well, has never retired. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Liam has never retired either. Cause he'd be the same as me, he loves meeting people and saying hello to them and having a chat and he goes in there every morning to open up the pub and that's what I like about it. You know I will cut back my time on it eventually but there's no way I'm retiring out of it. And if somebody says would you ever sell the pub and I says no. And we've been offered to sell it several times over the years and I says no I couldn't. So I couldn't drive down Capel Street and after selling the pub you know what I mean and the same as you know when you get response back from lads that's after being up for the weekend in Dublin or after being in CSSU thanks very much we really enjoy the weekend and different lads coming up you know whether it's be jail lads meeting up for the few pints at Christmas and stuff like that and you know I think that's what they call it they're really social outlets they're not they're not pubs like pubs drinking is a social thing because that's why it. It. I think the pub will always survive because I don't think really anybody enjoys drinking at home mm. you know you come in to have your couple of pints meet the lads have a chat and once you're in good surroundings and you never know who you might bump into and stuff like that and
0: that's a great story to end on i think you thanks so much for talking to me. it's been a real pleasure no problem at all mark i hope it was helped you it's sure hopefully next time I'm talking to you it's over across the bar yeah a between us yeah, yeah. <laughs> There we are now. Thank you so much to Hugh for giving me his time. I really enjoyed speaking to him. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, please do let me know and I can try and make a few more. Again, contact info in the show notes. If you're involved in a pub and fancy having a chat with me sometime for an episode, again, get in touch. And finally, if you're a brand or business who might want to get involved in sponsorship or anything, get on to me. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening and you mind yourself now, will not you? You mind yourself.